quick one. If you can hit follow or subscribe to this podcast, that really helps me track new listeners. Cheers. This week on the podcast, I welcome Adrian Benjamin, who is a financial protection advisor. Now, you might be thinking, what is financial protection and why should I care? Well, if you've been listening to the Wealth Journal podcast and following my journey, it's likely that you are now all comfortably millionaires. And if not, I recommend that you go back to episode one and start working your way through each one. So it's probably worth considering how you are going to protect your wealth for the future in the most efficient way. Now, obviously, I am joking. It's probably unlikely that we are all millionaires at this stage through the Wealth Journal. But it is actually very important to think about protection very early on. And a financial advisor would likely recommend reviewing protection before you even begin to invest. So I'm pleased to bring someone to the podcast with specific knowledge to explain more and hopefully make it easier to understand. As always, it's important to remember that the Wealth Journal podcast is not financial advice. It's purely here for educational and entertainment purposes. We don't make any recommendations, any stock picks or anything like that. One thing I would advise if you do want financial advice, please go and speak to a qualified financial advisor. Now with that out of the way, let's get cracking. Okay, so Adrian, welcome to the Wealth Journal podcast. Now, for those that listen to the Wealth Journal, they'll know that it's basically about building wealth with the aim for both me and the listener to to learn together on my journey towards wealth and hopefully aid them on their own journey. But if you look at the hierarchy of financial needs, protecting income, and you'll know this, um, and protecting wealth and your assets such as your home and your income, things like that, actually comes way before investing. So I wanted to invite Adrian on the podcast today, who is a financial protection advisor, to explain what protection is and why it's important. But before we get deep into the weeds on protection, it would be great if you could introduce yourself and just give us a bit of an insight into into your background and who you are. Uh, First of all, thank you, Jay, for inviting me on the podcast. Really excited to be here. So thank you for that. my career has been a bit varied, uh, as people like to say. So um, I'm originally from Manchester, um, studied business um, at Birmingham. And then when I graduated, I did investment banking in New York at 22. Um, came back to Manchester when I, when I finished that. I did recruitment, uh, rethink recruitment, top of King Street. Um, then I worked for Royal Bank of Scotland in the invoice finance division. And then when I moved to, to London, I think 2014, I worked for a couple of fintech companies and then I became a financial consultant. And some of the projects I've consulted on are um, HSBC's Ring Fencing Project. So the new um, UK head office in Birmingham, I was part of that project to set that bank up. And then I've worked for Visa, Bloomberg and Deloitte after that. Um, so I've been doing that for about probably like over 10 years, the, the banking career and consulting. And... I'd always wanted to get into property. So kind of you touched on before, that's a, a way people get wealth through property. So I thought I'd study that. I set up my own property company about three years ago. And then when I was, what I, what my property company does is we help investors buy investment property, probably in areas that they're not familiar with. So um, my first clients were based in London and I helped them buy a 
um, investment property back in Manchester because it was cheaper for them. But what I really realized was every client that I spoke to, I would always say, like, why are you, why have you set up your business? Why are you into property? And they'd always say it's for my family and legacy. That's what everyone always says. I was like, well, no one really plans that though. So that's how I kind of fell into financial protection because, you know, obviously mortgages are really important, but is anyone protecting the mortgages? Are you protecting the wealth? And, and the answer is it's, it's not as high as people think. Like you said at the beginning, we look at protection at the end when it should really be at the beginning because you want to protect everything going forward, even yourself. So you as a person, you are your biggest asset, not your house, not the business, not the money, it's you. Without you functioning, everything else doesn't run. And I know people have got property portfolios with where you know the rent comes in every month for your business, but you still have to manage that though. Like the book still stops with you. You're responsible, even if you have employees. So my job is to basically bring more awareness about people. I think valuing themselves more, to be honest with you, how they view themselves. And again, protecting everything that they've worked so hard for. Amazing. And quite a stellar CV when you look back at some of the some of the organizations that you've you've worked for. What was it about working in sort of the financial ad- advisory services that really a- appealed to you? Um, is it working with people or you know, what was it about that? I think it's, I've always been fascinated by business ever since I was young, you know, and I did business studies um, in uni, just how does the world operate? How do these companies grow from nothing to billions every year? And I thought, you know, well, you know, banking was where the money's at. That's where you learn about businesses. So it was, it was strategic. You know, I've worked at NatWest Retail. I've worked at Barclays Corporate on Marsden Street. <laughs> I think they're in spinning floors in Manchester now. And then I'm, you know, a little bit ambitious. I always want to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, investment banking is the biggest that you get. Um, in New York at the time, so the last financial crash, I was, you know, involved in that, like seeing it happen in real time and people making bad decisions. That's, that's kind of how it happened. And then when I worked for HSBC, that was a financial conduct authority project to correct all the, the mistakes of 2008, 2009. So I think that really helps me in my position now. So when I do speak to clients, it's not, I'm just a financial protection advisor. I've done finance at the highest level globally. And the, the projects I've done have been kind of compliance risk-related. So my job is to advise a client, like, look, whatever your plans are, that's fine. But have you got the safeguards in place? And what I want to do is just teach people that this is how corporates think. They think of themselves first, they protect their interests first, and then everything else is second. So, for example, if you want to buy a property of me, let's say you want a £100,000 mortgage, I'll say, Jay, cool, I'll give you 100000 Just give me 5% or 10% deposit down. So you give me 10000 for example. I've got my money. I'll charge you interest on that. So I'll make my money. If you mess up and can't pay your mortgage, it says at the bottom of every mortgage statement, if you cannot keep up with your repayment, your property can and, re- can and will be repossessed. It says it everywhere. But I don't think people really take it seriously, and they, and they should. So if you can't pay the, the mortgage for whatever reason, it could be redundancy, it could be death, I can take your property back. And that's your asset, that's your, that's your vehicle for wealth. Like, that should be protected first. You know, if, if you drive, people have no issue putting the seatbelt on and paying car insurance. Yeah. But we don't do that with ourselves and our, our businesses and our properties. And it's just perception and mindset. So, so again, I'm, I'm trying to build more awareness of it. Like, it's okay. Like, when you get in the car, you don't expect to crash. Right? When you get your mortgage, you tend to pay for it. 
But as we know, recessions happen, redundancies happen. It's it's just a way of life now. Um, and I just feel people should protect themselves for, for anything like that that's going to happen, really. Yeah, I think it's... Um... In terms of what's happening right now in the world, there's quite a lot of uncertainty, and maybe this discussion is coming at a right, you know, the right time. And it, the last few few months has made me sort of reconsider my my finances, also my investment strategy. Maybe being a little bit more cautious, and like you said, thinking about protection, um, and maybe consumers are getting a little bit more nervous about about the future prospects. But even with your investing, I'm not an expert on investing. It, I wouldn't say be more cautious. Like with your portfolio, it should be a mix, right? So if something's really risky, let's say you're going to get 50% return, for example. If you've got £100, just put £10 in it, right? And then you might put £50 in like blue chip stuff that's, you know, solid. It's, it's been stable. And then uh, the other £40, split it. Because yeah. if you look at pension funds and fund managers, they're not putting all their money into one project. No, no, no. But again, there's again, that's what I'm trying to bring awareness from the general public to how these financial institutions think. They split that across hundreds and thousands of things. And they know as well, like hedge funds, they know a certain percentage will hit, but no one talks about the ones that don't hit, right? We're obsessed with the IPO and the ringing the bell in the stock exchange, but how many millions and billions were spent on companies that didn't, didn't go anywhere? And they know that that's why investing is risky. But if you if you research, you plan, and you have a have a diverse portfolio, then it, then it's fine. Yeah, definitely. No, I think um, I think my investment approach, although I, I do invest in quite a diversified portfolio, but what I've what I've done recently is that buffer of maybe three to six months of sort of rainy day fund is something that I've been looking at actually. I won't mind just increasing that a little bit more just to just for my own peace of mind rather than investing maybe as much. Think, so. and yeah, you touched on a good point. That three to six month rainy day fund, we call it an emergency fund. That's really good. That should be kind of like the first bit of financial literature. If anything happened, literacy, sorry. If anything happens and you're out of work or whatever, you've got your, you can maintain your bills. And there's so many people that don't have that. Any anything shock, any anything um, accentuating happens, they're stuck. You know, so even me, I think that's why, again, how I've fallen into financial protection. When the um, COVID hit, um, I was doing a lot of contract work for these banks, consultants, companies, and the government changed how contractors got paid by 35 and pretty much overnight like thousands of people their jobs the projects are all closed down so hence why i diversified the financial protection but in that time i was out of contract so that rainy day fund i've had to use it if i hadn't had the rainy day fund then it'd be a lot more difficult um and i think people get complacent or or kind of think i'm on x amount i've got loads of money on fine and that's not the case because it doesn't matter how much money you're on, you can get replaced or, or something can happen. So, for example, with COVID, all those you know restaurants and family businesses, which were fine, they did everything the right way. They were really hard. It got wiped out through no fault of their own. You know. So I think you said, like you said, going forward, I think from COVID, people are assessing, I think, risk a lot more than they would before. Um, and again, so everyone that went through the financial crash of 2008, 2009, on top of this, you should really look at that firsthand. Yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah. you'll know this because you've 
you're from Manchester, but I think a, a rainy day fund is harder to maintain in Manchester because we do have more rain. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean it's cheaper like that? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> those those in the know will appreciate that finance related weather joke. <laughs> so, and um, I guess we've covered why financial protection is important. But why do you think it's not always a priority for, for people? Is it a psychological thing that they just don't want to think about, I guess, bad things happening? Yeah, I think as humans, we're, we're just inbuilt that the worst thing, don't think about it if you think about it, it's going to happen. But it's crazy. Um, people don't want to think about their mortality, even in the height of COVID. So people would say, oh, your job's a lot easier because of COVID. It's not. People's still the same or... You know, I speak to clients, you know, I've got two kids, I've got a mortgage, I don't have any life insurance. So I'm like, okay, if you passed away, can your partner and family maintain the standard of living? No. Okay, let's just get it sorted this week. Oh, I'm busy, this has happened, that's happened. I'm just like, it's mindset. Because like I said, we're conditioned to buy car insurance. We are conditioned to put our seatbelt on when we're driving. But I've tried the same thing. I'm not with your, with your example about investing. Yeah, of course I'm invest but just kind of be responsible. Like that's, that's all it is. And I think people think insurance is really expensive. It, it's actually cheaper than people think. Obviously it depends on your, your age, your health and how much you earn. But, you know, if you've got this asset, which is let's say a property, for example, that could really help your family for generations to come. If you pass away or something happens and you lose the property, all that money for the deposit, mortgage broker, fees, solicitors, it's all wasted. And even from a corporate perspective, if you buy a property, some lenders will require you to have buildings insurance or else you can't get the mortgage. Why is the lender getting the client to pay for that? Mm. Right, if you're lending them the money. That's that's my point of corporations protect themselves first. Yeah. Right. And I've got clients where I need to build they 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 it's last minute. We're gonna complete in a week, I need buildings insurance. First of all, why was this not lined up months ago? And second of all, you're putting so much pressure on that. Once you complete and get the property, you're not putting the insurance on your life to protect paying for it. Mm. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I do a lot of property events. I'm in Manchester on Thursday for a property event. Everyone's obsessed with mortgages and building insurance. That's all they talk about, building insurance and mortgages. And no one's thinking about, okay, how can I cover this portfolio forever? Right, because... Even the concept of owning a property, I'm, I own my own property. Um, and people say, I own loads of property. But if the lender's giving you a bill the first month every month, then you don't own it. Yeah, true. That yeah. that will shock people. Oh my God, I own my property. Well, you don't. Because first of the month, lender XYZ says you owe X amount. And if you don't pay, it will take it off you. Yep. Right? So you, you don't own it. Um, and it can be taken away. And that's what I said from being in America where the crash was huge in 2009, seeing that firsthand and all those big buildings of people just getting made redundant. It's, it was awful, horrible. My boss got laid off the, on my first day of work and they all went, blah, 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 blah. I've been made redundant. Like it, it can touch anyone. Like, no one is immune from it, yeah. especially with technology as well. But you still got that bill every month. Um, for the mortgage. Even if you don't have a mortgage, you still need financial protection for your family. So let's say you don't have a property. 
if anything happens to you to pass away, you can leave a tax-free lump sum to your family to help them do, you know, get on with their lives or invest it. But it's something, right? Every individual is an asset. It's just how we view ourselves. So you could say, Jay, for example, I will leave my family a million pounds if anything happens to me, right? Don't get caught up in the million pounds. Get caught up on like how much it's going to cost a month. It's not going to cost you a thousand pounds a month for a million pounds. Right. It can be more affordable than you think. It, just until we go through um, the requirements, that's all. But that's the that's my point is with, with this is it's leaving your family in a better financial position than before. That's yeah. the that's the premise of it. And I think it's perception. People think it's just for rich and wealthy people, but it's for everyone. Yeah. And if it is the case, oh, it's for rich and wealthy people, why are you not doing it? I mean, you're not trying to be rich and wealthy. You're not trying to invest. You're not trying to do property. Yeah, well, life insurance is a financial tool that goes alongside all of those things. I know it's not glamorous like crypto. People are putting thousands and millions of crypto because it's glamorous. And I've got no idea how that works. But investing in yourself and your family because the only certainty in life is death unfortunately people just don't want to think about it but you'll put all your money in crypto and not know when to pull your money out or who to sell it to absolutely right and you're going to get charged a fee by whatever platform like people don't see that do you find that you know from the experience that you've had working with different clients probably from different levels of income different levels of wealth i always like to try and unlock the secrets of the rich on the podcast mm-hmm. Do you feel that the so-called rich are better organized when it comes to protection versus everyone else? A billion percent. A billion percent. Um, number one, because they, they have money. Two, they have financial advisors. Right? Not everyone is an expert in money, but you need someone to help you with that. Same thing if you're a big business, you're going to need an accountant. You need a tax advisor. It's just part and parcel of the business. And like I said, that's why I'm trying to bring awareness to just everyday people who maybe not think like that. But, you know, there's a reason why they are in the position they're in for for decades and centuries. So with the word wealth, you know, first of all, what does wealth mean to you? What's what's Jay's definition of wealth? That is a good question. That's a question I often ask my guests on the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So maybe I might fire that one back at you. But um, wealth, wealth to me, and I've, I've said this many times on the podcast, probably in the earlier parts of my life, it was about having lots of money to be able to buy nice things, cars, houses, holidays. But as I've grown up, got a family, wealth now really is more, more about security. Wealth is for me choice. It's time. It's given me options to be able to do what I want to do in life. And that that really is wealth. And it's something that I can eventually yeah, passed down to, to future generations, to my children and, and their children. So that's that's well, what wealth means to me. You know, that's a, that's a great answer because wealth means different things to different people. So how you read wealth maybe in your 20s, now it's completely different, right? So, you, you know, my definition of wealth as well is like you can get to spend time doing what you want. But again, there's still a price for that. Yeah. Right. Is you still need money to the bills? The bills don't stop, right? So that's a good definition for me. I think wealth is everything that you've said, but it's also for me. It's if you when you're not here, is your family on the same amount of money lifestyle as before, or more? Right. So we can go through the extremes of I don't know the Hilton family or one of those famous families. 
they've been living that way and they've been poor the people that own um, Walmart centuries. But the average person can't do that because, again, inflation, I would keep talking about that, cost of living is getting more and more expensive. It's getting harder and harder and harder to preserve your wealth. So this is why people need to understand it. So the example before is you might not have a property. You could do a million pound life insurance policy. You pass at whatever age. Your family's got a million pounds tax-free. Yeah. That can give them a stepping stone to do all these other things. So with your point of, did the rich and wealthy have life insurance? Yeah, of course they do. But that's because someone's told them about it and they understand it. And, they, and it's not just that, they see the value in it. Because when it comes to the monthly premium, when I go for my speech to clients and we've assessed everything that they need it, the price of it, they just get hung up on price. But you've got no issue spending £500 a month on Mercedes, Audi, leasing it. But your life insurance is not going to cost that and you have an issue with it. So again, it's perception, but the wealthy person like, okay, that makes sense. My family can get millions and it's this and that, and it's in a trust and we're not going to pay tax on it. And that's legal. So yeah. again, the wealthy and rich people, obviously they think and do things different to us, but if everyone's trying to get that, why are you not trying to learn and replicate it? That's what I don't get about people. I've told you ever since I was young, I've always been fascinated by businesses and, and banking and money anyway. So it's, it's you know, I enjoy what I'm doing. And I've moved to different aspects of it. They're all different. The reason why I've liked doing what I'm doing financial protection is it's making that any person off the street aware of these things that the rich and wealthy have had for hundreds of years. Insurance is, is one of the oldest industries ever. Right? It's just the perception of it. It's not cool. It's not sexy. That's why people don't know anything about it. But I'm going to tell you this. The things that are boring are going to make you wealthy, mate. I love that. I love that. I think that's sort of aligns to the Wealth Journal podcast in many ways to try and just democratize finance in general, whether it's through through building wealth, but also protecting it. So I love the I love the synergy there. And also I like the fact that you asked me a question on the podcast. How how dare <laughs> how dare they <laughs> no but like you know I asked that question like it's everyone because everyone's version of it is different. You're right. Yeah. I think most people think of wealth as having money and being rich. But let's be honest, you can be a Premier League footballer and earn let's say 50 mil for your career and lose all of it. Yeah. Right. It's about financial um, education, literacy. Right. How many people won the lottery globally and ended up right where they started like four or five years later? Like, yeah. why does that keep happening? Why do rich people, why the whole cliche saying the rich get richer? There's a reason why they keep getting richer. They do smart things. Right. That's why they're rich. I'm not saying people that aren't rich do stupid things, but. There's a reason why they do that. And again, it's all about networking, I think, is, is not mentioned enough about being rich. Your network is important. Also, understand, even if you don't understand the, the finance, but having a financial advisor or protection person like me or good mortgage advisor that helps you. All these different things. So for me, off, a little bit off topic, with mortgages, I got I have mortgage um, brokers. You know, their experience, they do that every day. And one of my mortgage brokers has, has saved me thousands of pounds. I had to pay him fee, but to me it's worth it because it's long term. Yeah. Me paying him, what was it back then? Well, 700 pounds to save me thousands of pounds going forward. It's it's worth it. But some people might say, I'm not paying you 700 pounds for being a mortgage broker money suit. And that's the thing that's about the education piece and seeing the value in it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So when it comes to the ways people can protect themselves. And I'll be honest, when I, when I sort of look into financial protection, life insurance, um, assurance, 
different plans, different terms, ones that sort of go up over time, ones that go down to sort of match your mortgage payments. I find it quite confusing. Is there a simple way of looking at it or, you know, where would, where would somebody begin? Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll start with the different types of insurance first. So you've got short-term insurance, which is private medical and income protection. They're important because private medical to me is most important insurance of all of them because it keeps you alive right now. Right. Cut a very long story short. <clears throat> I had an um, operation on my eye years ago, actually, at Alexander Hospital. There was something pressed on my optic nerve. If I'd waited or gone through NHS, I would have gone blind or died. Right. And I still go back to Alexander Hospital every time I register to say thank you to Dr. Bala for literally saving my life. Wow. Right. And the thing with insurance is, unless you haven't personally been affected or know someone closer, you're not going to take it seriously. That's probably another thing as well. So private medical, again, it's just speed. I'm not here to, to slag the NHS off. They're great, but we all know their capacity. You know, with come see your help to keep you alive. If you can get seen quicker and you can afford it, like why wouldn't you do it? Right. So that's the first thing. Income protection. You working, whether you're employed or self-employed, you are your biggest asset to earning the income. Right. So I know if you're employed, some companies give you sick pay. Depend each company is different and how long does that last? Because let's say, for example, you have something serious like cancer, you might be out of work for years. Some companies that income that sick pay will stop. You need to control that. So let's say you're you're self-employed. Um, you're a you're a builder, you break both arms, you can't work, your income stops. So anyone who or me as a consultant, if anything happens where I can't work, I can't use my laptop, I don't earn any income. So that's the, like the first the first bit, protecting your income. Even if you're an employee, employee, you should still look at it anyway. Because if you lose lose your job or you leave, you're not you're financially exposed, right? Um, medium is critical illness cover. Um, there's loads of stuff on TV about even I think the vitality thing the other week, the marathons about cancer. One in two of us in the UK is going to get cancer. It's unfortunate. We see this all the time. We know the figures. But do people actually take out critical illness cover to help them when they're going through a traumatic experience such as cancer? Not as much. And you think people would because you've got a 50% chance of getting it. Um, what critical illness cover will do is you get a tax-free lump sum to spend the money as you wish. You should be spending your time getting better. You shouldn't be worried about paying bills and, you know, am I going to have money for my kids, you know, just living, never mind school fees and, you know, mortgages. That's what that's there for. So again, it's these insurances are there for once life hits you with something really serious, you're not worrying about money. That's what these things are for. But people just say, oh my God, I'm paying this every month. Like, no, when you need it, you don't have to worry about that big bill. That's what that's for. And then the last one, life insurance is pretty straightforward. If you pass away, your family or whoever you wish, church, whoever gets a tax free lump sum. But I think more people are focused on the life one than they are the immediate one the private medical and the income protection. Because if you don't protect your income while you're alive, you're, you're going to pass down anything, are you? So they're, they're the main ones. And we did point about different types of insurance. So you've got decreasing, which goes down um, each year. That's normally linked to a mortgage. Yeah. Um, so let's say you've got a 25-year mortgage, 100000 left. Year one, you probably have like five grand left of it. You've got a level term where it stays exactly the same. So if you have £100,000 for 30 years, 
in year 29-30, if you pass away, you're still going to get 100,000. That's level. Then you've got indexed, which goes up with the rate of inflation, um, which is normally 3.5%. I know this year has been a bit mad, but you can change that as well. So if you're saying, look, I've got £100,000 now, it's not going to be worth the same in 30, 40 years. So you'd index it. But with indexing, it means your monthly insurance um, bill will obviously increase each year you've got the policy. So it depends. But most of my clients will just go for level because it's just easier to calculate. Okay. And I guess most people that listen to the Wealth Journal podcast are in the age bracket of around about 25 to 34. And I know we can't give broad financial advice on a podcast as it's important to understand people's individual needs. But I guess for those in that age bracket, what sort of questions should they ask in, be asking themselves or what sort of things would you get them to think about when it comes to protection? I would definitely say private medical. Um, my mother told me to get private medical in my 20s. And I was like, no, don't need it. Too expensive. Da, da, da. Told you a story about them removing the cyst on my eye. Like, changed my life forever. I've never been more scared in my entire life. So definitely private medical is a first. Um, I think probably as you get a little bit older, probably early 30s, I think people then, they start thinking about life insurance. Um, if anyone's fortunate enough to own a property, it doesn't matter how old you are, definitely get the life insurance because, you know, that house, that property can get passed down the generations. Um and then the critical illness cover, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, do you know anyone that's suffered from cancer? Well, my brother-in-law actually got diagnosed with motor neuron disease um, right. at the beginning of last year, which I, I shared on the podcast a couple of couple of weeks ago, actually. So right. that has certainly made me think a lot more yeah. about, about critical illness cover. Yeah. So with, with that, I think, like you said, with critical illness, it's, it's more common now. People are getting these whatever conditions it is. Um, so I'm sure with your brother-in-law, it's, it's going to be a stressful time, right? Like yeah. not knowing and then knowing, and you still have to work. It's it's very stressful. And it's not only that, it's having access to, you know, good doctors, good therapists, good um, rehabilitation centers. All that's covered in the premium. So some people say, like, oh, why is the premium X amount? Because if you need it, you have got all these experts and you've got you know, certain things like you can see a GP, virtually you can get a face-to-face appointment all these extra benefits all insurance providers give you benefits while you're still here so I, I i urge people to to use them as well if they can okay um and then i guess a personal question to you really what are you, what are sort of some of your money habits and how does money play a role in in your life if you're willing to share that i've always been like this since i was little i've been weird i just you've got to study it you have to study it. It keeps changing, especially with tech. Um, have your finances in order. Make sure you, like you said, have an emergency fund every month. Try and save as much as you can. Uh, network. Go to. I'm always at property events every week. Manchester, London, Bournemouth, Bristol. Doesn't matter where it is. I'm out networking. Um, I'm obviously a financial protection advisor. That's one element of finances. And then later on, you're going to need a financial advisor. Um, listen to as many podcasts as you can, read as many books as you can. Um, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's probably the most common known, but it's a very good basis for it. 
But even Jay, you've read that. But you'd be amazed at the amount of people that haven't read or heard of that book. And yeah. it should, like, everyone should have that. Um, and then investing, similar to what I said before, if you're going to invest in anything, just research it. Um, be careful, plan it. And obviously don't put all your money into something. You know, I, and one of my friends went to his barber, he's put money in crypto. He's like, okay, so when are you going to take your money out? I don't know. Once if there's a dip, I don't know. It's just, don't get caught up on the hype of that. I'm not saying don't do crypto, I believe in it. Just be, make sure you understand all these things. And also the exit fees when you take it out. Because different um, companies will charge you different amounts for it. Yeah, I agree. I think when it comes to money and wealth, finances, developing a financial um, intelligence or financial education, like you said, reading, learning, is is the best foundation and that never it never stops as well like robert kiyosaki he's yeah he famously wrote rich dad poor dad excellent book and i've talked about that in very like the very early episodes of this podcast just some of the basic fundamentals about how money works what the rich know about money versus the sort of poor and middle class do not is is was sort of massive for me when I started my journey to, to learn more about finance and he's, he's a lifelong learner. And I think you have to be when it comes to, to finance and, and money. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Adrian, it's been, it's been great to chat and I really appreciate you sort of helping me understand the world of prote- protection and no doubt the listeners taken a lot from this episode. If people wanted to, to learn more, um, you know, where could they go? Is there any sort of resources that, that you recommend? And then also, I guess, if somebody's listened to this podcast and thought, I need to speak with Adrian, or, you know, I want to sort of tap into to, to, you know, your knowledge and skill set and potentially discuss um, protection in a little bit more detail, what's the best way for them to, to get in touch with you? Yeah, so it's Adrian B Finance on Instagram, um, Adrian B Finance on Facebook, and then Adrian Benjamin on LinkedIn. So on my Instagram and Facebook, there's videos just like explaining what level term means, decreasing, whole of life, what is a trust, how does a trust work. All the videos are pretty much like one minute, one and a half minutes, just to make it easy to understand. Because like you said, sometimes with all the terminology, it can be confusing if you've you've never heard it before. So I want to make financial protection easy for people to understand. So that's why I started doing the videos. If anyone wants a one-to-one with me as well, I'll give um, Jay my Calendly link and then people can um, set up an appointment with me. We can just go through um, financial protection for them. And then that consultation call for your viewers, Jay, it's going to be free. <laughs> you all love free stuff. Incredible. Incredible. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and um, yeah, appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, Jay. Mm-hmm.